Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Everybody, to episode 19 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. It is entitled Orange Bowl Preview. Man, we missed you guys last week. We, Tom and I were talking off the air, as we oft do, and we got out of a groove. And it's really difficult to, to get back in because, case in point, Tom says, Okay, so starting out, I was on the road all day. Commentary, do you have any ideas? I'm like, well, um, since it says commentary dash time, I really don't have any ideas. And see, like I said, get out of the groove. I'm not even introduced. I'm JT, as always, half the podcast team, Tom Sims. Tom? Yeah, that was supposed to be uh, kept in the closet, sir. <laughs> you weren't supposed to announce that. but well, Like uh, Tom Cruise is coming out of the closet right now, brother. <laughs> so uh, carry on with your commentary. This ought to be fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I've been working hard on this. Uh, you know, a lot's happened though since uh, we, what we were talking about. We had we had done a show directly after the SEC championship game. Whoop whoop! And back to back. That's right. And then since then, I was just trying to uh, rack my brain about what's happened in the two weeks between then and now. So this SEC championship game was on the, what, the 4th? Sounds correct. And so I think we podcast on the 5th. Yeah, we did a Sunday version, so we are a solid 15 15 days out. 15 days. Look at us doing math. Come on. (laughs) Uh, so, So in the last 15 days... First off, Navy with a big upset over Army and the Armed Forces. But that's such a cool game. Really I mean, is. it really is. You ever is. been? No, I know you have. You went, what, two years ago? I think, three years three, ago? I think it was three years right ago. Right before yeah. the pandemic? Yep. Yeah. I, it, this year in particular, it looked like it was it was really well done. And I think the weather had something to do with it, too. But I, I was excited. That was the first time that I've, in many years, I think, that I've actually watched most of the game i still didn't watch at all i mean it, it is army and navy but still the 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 revelry is there in spades but uh that was fun uh bryce young won the heisman trophy surprise surprise i think that was one of the largest i didn't look this up obviously because i came unprepared from the commentary but i think think he was like what maybe the fifth or sixth largest margin of victory yeah it's probably something like that and it's it's just it was refreshing 
because you know our first two winners were two of the closest ever. Yes. And uh, and and you know, to- everybody was like Toby Gerhardt should have won it, dude. Garbage. I mean, he he played in the Pac-12. Not he was just a uh, he would have been a great running back in the SEC in 1982. But now Christian McCaffrey, he's the real deal. So you know, we were very fortunate to to for Henry to win that one, which Henry deserved it. I mean, my gosh, he he. Like Daryl pointed out, he's one of the only backs to ever. He went for 2,000 in high school in one season, 2,000 in college, 2,000 in NFL. Might be the only player to ever do that. So he's just a fantastic choice. And then I think Smitty was uh, pretty far ahead of Trask last year. But, you know, Bryce was so big, it went to minus 5,000 in Vegas. And at that point, it might as well be taken off the board. It was uh, silly in my opinion. I know in the days – leading up to it there was a lot of uh pushback because um will anderson didn't make it when the michigan guy did and and everybody saw the stats between the two and they weren't even close but not only did anderson not get invited he did he still finished fifth i think but not only did he not get invited and the michigan guy did the michigan guy when they showed the ballots collected what i can only assume was a bunch of regional first place votes how do you vote that guy number one over bryce young much less over will anderson (laughs) i mean that's simply a regional bias i think I didn't know who the kid was, to, which I don't follow Big Ten football. I, I, I do keep an eye on Ohio State because, you know, when you're Bama and Nick Saban's Bama, you you have your eyes on the playoffs. So, of course, you kind of keep up with the teams that you think are going to make the playoffs and can, maybe can beat you. So, I definitely kept up with Ohio State more than Michigan. I didn't know the kid, and then he had three sacks against Ohio State. But if we're going to start letting that sway our votes, like my and I might have said this on the last podcast, if you're going to if you're going to vote based on that last week, then Bama should have won the Joe Moore Award based on the way our offensive line played against Georgia. That's the same rationale. Yeah, it is, and you definitely mentioned that last time. But I love it when you drive a point to the ground. I'll beat a dead horse, my friend. You will. (laughs) So. Uh, that was good, and then uh, I know there's been some coaching carousels, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the transfer portal next. Um, on a on some personal news, some personal news. Unfortunately, I had Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night when there was four <laughs> of us left in the survivor pool, but also fortunately. Three of the other four had Tampa Bay as well, and the only dissenter had Arizona earlier in the day. So we all four got knocked out last night, so we'll all four split the remaining survivor pool money. So we we did did make a little bank on that this year. I so bet you did. <laughs> not 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 a bad outing. I'll I'll take it. I can only hope we do as well next year. Four figures or five figures? Uh, yeah, it was only four, but due to the we had chopped, we had chopped uh, about three thousand each earlier about four weeks ago, and then this will add another similar amount twenty five, twenty six hundred more, yeah, I think, nice. something like that. So why did you yeah. chop before? I don't get why you chopped earlier. 
Why didn't we chop earlier? No, why did you? Oh, why did we? Well, there were there was uh, how many of us were there? I think there were six of us left. So at, at the time, it, it was there was about twenty seven thousand, twenty eight thousand on the line. So I guess uh, we just wanted to assure it was our suggestion to chop, and it's actually somebody had a suggestion to chop it evenly at six players at that point, and I yeah. and I I politely declined but offered up a counter suggestion <laughs> of, of just taking a little bit and then playing for the rest. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. That's what yeah, I would want to do. You know what? So if, we t- you, if you want to chop at six, why are you in it? Because it's called gambling, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we ended up taking 3000 which left a, almost 11000 to play for. Yeah, well, good and enough. Unfortunately, we ended up chopping that last night. Well, congratulations. I expect a bottle of Pappy on my front doorstep. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we were in uh, New Orleans last night. And uh, we were eating at a restaurant I hadn't ate before at before down there. It was called Augustus, and it was excellent, unbelievably good. It was a sort of a, and we had we didn't have reservations, so we kind of ate at the bar. And so I'm sitting there looking, and I look up there on the shelf, and it's very dark in there, and I can't hardly see that far. And and I asked the 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 cat that was helping us back there. I was like, uh, yeah, well, what what you got there in the top middle there? He said, Ah, that's a Pappy twenty three year. I was like, wow, oh, Lord. I was like, <laughs> Is that is that the only year you have? <laughs> <laughs> he said yeah he said the other ones have sold out i was like okay said well um how much is it 280 dollars a shot is that a, a shot or a quarter or a um i didn't get into the specifics ounce. because yeah. i was i was not a <laughs> i was not in the game <laughs> at that point <laughs> So uh, it's like, yeah, that's I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna save myself for something more reasonable. But yeah, two hundred and eighty dollars per whatever pour they were making there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm still elusive to me. Uh, we'll get it one day. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, transfer portal slash next to Oregon. You know, I guess he was the biggest free agent, although. You know, we have our own feelings about him. Well, I guess actually uh, that Quinn Ewers from Texas who went to Ohio State, stayed one year, opted out of his high school senior senior year so he could go make NIL money, doesn't play one snap for Ohio State and then transfers to Texas. That's To me, that is abusive. That is not what the transfer portal was designed to do. But on the bright side now, he's he's done. Like he can't, to my knowledge, he has no more transfers without sitting out a year. That's correct, and also you said Nix was the biggest name, and then you and then you backtracked a little bit to Ewers, but you don't think Nix is a uh, bigger name than Rattler, do you? Uh you know, probably not. But but I say this right here: Nix never got benched at Auburn, and Rattler managed to get benched twice. Regardless, Nix was a, a coveted. Quarterback, regardless of how you feel about him, Bama fans feel one way. Auburn fan, a lot of Auburn fans feel the same way Bama fans feel. <laughs> but, you know, I've said on this podcast, I think he's a heck of an athlete. I think if, if he came to Bama and he's like, hey, I want to be – I've got two years left. I want to be a receiver. Teach me how to play the slot receiver. I really feel like he could make the NFL because of his elusiveness and 
and speed, but he's going out to Oregon to play to play Pac-12 football. And, you know, rumor is in the first interview with their conference call-in show, he said, well, you know, USC tends to get all the calls in the Pac-12. <laughs> so, but, you know, he and, and I have never pulled punches with Nick's and the Nick's family. That little peckerhead ran that mouth against Bama, and then he goes and transfers 2,607 miles away from Auburn. You know, yeah, I, that, I that the, just infuriates me that he he never he never had to face Alabama in Bryant Denny with a crowd because yeah. the only time he, he played three years it was Auburn his freshman year they beat us it was Bama his second year it was COVID what twenty five thousand fans in the stands and then this year was at Auburn so mm-hmm. it, it's the same way with Tua Auburn never had to face Tua at Auburn nope so nope. you know whatever but. Just, I saw a I saw a funny tweet where uh, someone had <coughs> was was uh, suggesting that Nick's be interviewed in his first uh, interview out there at Oregon and and uh, ask him whether Dyer's knee was down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd you love know, to see that hot take. Speaking of that, speaking of that. Uh, that that is a rule change, and we'll in the off season we'll always talk about the rule changes. That is a rule change I really want, I really want to see, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But okay, so bashing Knicks. Here's my hot take, and, and immediately you know Gober text out, hey, you know who Oregon plays first next year is Georgia at Atlanta. So congratulations, Bo Nix. You're finally going to get to see what the inside of Mercedes Benz Stadium looks like. Here's my hot take: Oregon. Beats Georgia to open the year next year. Knicks leads them to victory. I really believe this because Knicks has a lot of experience in the SEC. Georgia's Georgia, and it's not that Georgia doesn't have. They have great players this year. They're going to have great players next year, and they have a great recruiting class. We'll talk about later from this year. They've stacked recruiting class just like Bama has stacked recruiting class after recruiting class. But they lose a lot of experience this year, and that's my hot take: is Knicks and Oregon upsets Georgia to start out the year, and puts Oregon to the forefront of of hey, we might be a playoff participant, and they will they will finish nine and three or eight and four. But anyway, <laughs> the you know the portal has people have talked about you know what what is the portal going to look like? It's free agency. And the majority of people in the portal are kids that can't play. Like you look at Bama's portal kids this year, Pierce Quick from Hewitt Trustful, maybe somewhere in Alabama. Yep. Uh, you know, he's he, he went to Georgia Tech. He couldn't crack the lineup at Alabama and the offensive line. And then we had the kid, Marcus Banks, the defensive backfield, who would probably be starting in the semifinals based on Job and that's another thing we didn't talk about. Job and Jalen Armour Davis, our two starting corners are probably out for the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they both had surgery and, and some of them some people are a little sore at Jalen Armour that it was one of those injuries that he could have waited to the end of the year and fixed and played and but he chose to fix it now and it's his right, you know, because he's gonna go pro and he wants to be ready for the combine. Man, that's not that is not process oriented like Nick Saban wants it to be. But hey, it's next man up, and we've got experience, we've got talent back there. It's just I, I, I shouldn't have said experience. We have talent back there. It's just inexperienced. So uh, back to the portal, though. I think what you're going to see is your marginal kids 
the kids that can't start Alabama, the kid, most kids that can't start at Ohio State, maybe Ohio State's outlier because they've had a Heisman Trophy winner and a Bolitnikoff finalist transfer out of their program. But the majority of kids are just going to go from one program to another and try to get some playing time. And your elite your elite transfers, your Justin Fields, you know, transferred, which I don't well, – he wasn't a portal kid. No, he, he, had, to, he had to apply – for uh for immediate playing time due to a racial slur being thrown at him so he was before the portal but you're gonna see your elite players um yeah no doubt you're gonna see your elite players go to try to win a championship in case in point we got eli ricks from uh lsu just this past week he's a 2020 kid so this you know he'll be going into his junior year he's a defensive back five-star guy and he was one of those that oh crap after game four or five yeah i've got an injury and we're just gonna let this i'm gonna opt out the rest of the year and get this you know get my foot well or my ankle well or whatever and then he transfers to bama and you know the rumor is Keishon butte the probably the top wide receiver in the draft going into next year you know there's big rumors he's gonna come to bama i don't know if that's gonna happen or not i have a question about this yeah go ahead since you're since you're on this discussion topic so rick's transferring as we know, could he play in the national championship game? Is this a joke? <laughs> let's no, think he, about. Let's he, think he about cannot, this. He can't. Oh, I'll answer it. He cannot. But I. I will. Ty Simpson is practicing with us. He is practicing, but he come, can't play. Come, come, come January one, Ricks could be in school. Hey, I'm for it, dude. I'm, I'm just <laughs> asking the questions, just ha- hitting the hard facts. I mean, uh, he would be he he could technically be enrolled in the university uh, for the spring semester whenever they start, which would be prior to the national championship game. <coughs> You're right. Uh, the answer is he cannot play, but boy, it'd be cool if he could. Now, do you know that for a hundred percent? Yes, I do. It has been bandied about on numerous message boards. And if anybody on the message boards listen to this, they're going to say, oh, my God, I hope that guy's just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Armor Davis and Job are out. We need relief, by gosh. Well, if, hey, if we can, if they can play, then we need to get Tank Bigsby to transfer in and start the <laughs> national title game. I'm all for that, too. But, you know, back to my point of the portal is – it's the the rich are going to get richer and like we've talked about you know when Saban asked is this what we want football to be he's he's not asking because he's scared he's asking because he's going to take the rule that you change and he's going to dominate you with it look at our transfers this year this year Toto O starter what leading tackler on the team and then Jamison Williams best receiver on the team or at least best deep threat so you know, who, who would not – and that's the thing with Mama right now. If you're a receiver, whether it's Boutte or not, if you're the top receiver at Pittsburgh, if you're the top receiver at Stanford or Notre Dame or wherever, why would you not want to come play, especially if you're an upperclassman, say you're going into your junior or senior year, why would you not want to come play with Bryce Young, the yeah. Heisman Trophy winner? For real. Hey, and you mentioned Toto. I don't think I give him his due when we're recapping uh, the Georgia game because I'd been on him fairly hard earlier in the season for his lack of physical play. But he balled out in that SEC championship game. 
He was yeah. all over the place. The, yeah, he did. He he played well. He he. That was his best game of the year. Yeah, and I hope he continues on. You know, we need two more games, two more games like that. But anything else you want to say about the portal or Knicks? No, I'm, you sure didn't want to bash Knicks more? Because I'll be, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll make time for that, Tom. <laughs> I'm good, man. I, <laughs> okay. I mean, he's just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's a deadbeat dad's what he is. Anyway, so <sighs> National Signing Day uh, came was last Wednesday, and we did talk about this off the air of how, like, you you mentioned coaching changes and. You know, Lanning, the defensive coordinator from Georgia, is going to Oregon and used to, you know, man, Oregon, once you're under contract, they would want you out there recruiting for them. You know, you're no longer mm-hmm. – yeah, you sure, you've got some work left with Georgia, but you're employed by the University of Oregon and we need you here. And that's just not the case anymore because early signing day has come and gone and, you know, 90 95% of the kids sign – I mean, all of your top 100. I don't. I don't know why kids hold out. If you're a top 100 kid, you you pretty much know where you're gonna go, and I guess they just want the spotlight all to themselves in February. But you know, it, it, on the positive side for coaches, it allows them to stay if they're if their team's in the playoffs. It allows them to stay and and finish out because the pressure's not there to get on. You know, hit the trail, hit the recruiting trail to try to shore up your your current class. But Bama finished one or two, depending on what service you look at. I, I look at 247, so we were second in that one. A&M was first. A&M signed a massive haul of defensive linemen. And uh, I, I don't think we missed. We missed on a couple of kids. We wanted Jaleel Skinner, a tight end from Florida. He went to Miami. He went to play with Mario Cristobal. We were afraid that might happen. And uh, we signed the top three skill position players out of Louisiana. Like, that is such a punch in the gut to them, <laughs> the way they feel about Saban. And and then for us just to dominate recruiting over there. Yeah, and, I love that. Yeah, you know, and it, Bama used to be all, you know, it was defense. Defense wins championships, offense sells tickets. And we really felt that way. Oh, gosh, we were defensive up until uh, Jalen and Tua, I guess. You know, definitely – our Jake Coker year was, you know, helped to have the Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry on the team, but we were just we were average at receiver. We had R. Darius Stewart. We had, um, you know, Kenyon Drake would catch some out of the backfield, and who else do we have? Was Ridley on that team? I guess Ridley was a, a freshman on the fifteen team that won it. Mm-hmm. But this is what was impressive to me. So we got. Law, his last name is Law. I don't want to say his first name because I can't remember it. And I don't want to. I don't want to mispronounce it or, or misstate it. But his last, maybe Kendrick Law. Can't remember. That's anyway, what I was going to say was Kendrick. Yeah, his last name is Law. He's a he was a late signee signee for the early signing period. So Wednesday was National Signing Day, but then you could sign Thursday, you could sign Friday. But I think after Friday the window's closed. You got to wait to to uh, till February. And so we got Law, and I looked where you know he's from Louisiana, and he's his his position's athlete, and he was number two or three uh, nationally in an athlete. I said, well, let's see what where we stack up. You know, where where does he stack a lot? Who was the number one kid? It was Malachi somebody uh, went to Georgia, and he was the number one athlete. But here's the athletes we signed from according to two four seven. Did I not write these down? I wrote them down, and maybe did I? Dude, I'm uh, on the edge of my seat. Quit. Dude, I am. You're, I mean, here's the thing, man. You're going to have to. Uh, 
you're going to have to talk a minute and let me look it up because, <laughs> well, <laughs> because so, so, I did not transfer them when I typed these notes out. <laughs> so for, for, for the generally uninformed so far, according to 247, A&M, as Tiffin mentioned, finished first, Bama was second, followed by Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas and including Texas in the newly formed SEC, which now looks less and less like they will be a 2022 squad, like I was hoping. Looks like they may be pushed to 23, but that's four out of the top five in the SEC. But Texas A&M's class was crazy. They had, from top to bottom, we were very close which is the reason we barely finished second but as far as top heavy A&M signed the number two the number six the number 16 the number 17 and the number 19 player in the country now think about that 19 roughly out of the top 20 players Texas A&M signed 25 percent of them that's impressive that's yes, impressive sir. That's gonna that's gonna lead to some some drag out fighting in the SEC. Bama, Antium, Georgia, Texas. Uh, the SEC as a whole had a had a good good recruit. There is there is a super surprise in my mind out of the SEC. I'll let you guess who it is if you're through looking up your statistical analysis. I am looking through. What was the question again? The question is, who do you think? I I think there was a surprise from one of the SEC teams and how they recruited in this uh, cycle. Who do you think that surprise team is? Well, to me, it was it was either Missouri or Kentucky. Uh, those are good candidates, but to me, the surprise was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Number 25 in the country, Ole Miss. That is 14th in the SEC. There were 13 other SEC teams ahead of Ole Miss, including, like you said, Missouri, Kentucky, Auburn, A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, all the Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, South Carolina was ahead of Ole Miss. Let's just... Mississippi State ahead of Ole Miss. Yeah, I would not have guessed that going into recruiting season with Lane Kiffin and his presence in social media and the fact that he got them with that presence into the top ten in the country. They end up finishing, what, sixth or seventh in the playoff rankings? I'm not sure they're in the Sugar Bowl for sure. Yeah. You know? So I was highly surprised that they weren't one of the top at least five or six teams in the SEC in recruiting. I'm very surprised there. I, I don't know where the disconnect came from, but I mean, and don't get me wrong, number twenty-five class is a, is a good class for for a, traditionally for Ole Miss. I just expected with their their hype this year, the way Kiffin had them playing, the way Kiffin's presence is everywhere. <laughs> I just thought he would have done a had a higher class than that. Yeah, and the rumor is, which is a, a, a tied board rumor, is that he felt like he was going to get a, a bigger job, maybe whether it be Oregon or Miami uh, or even LSU, you know, beforehand that, that he just kind of walk, slept walk through recruiting. Well, that that's on him, dude. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, wrong. But, I, yeah, I got the guys pulled up. So, you know, you, you think Saban believes in, in offense now. We signed the number two, the number three, the number five, and the number seven overall athlete in the position, this ATH athlete. So, to me, they could play receiver. They could play, uh, you know, defensive back, safety. Uh, you know, maybe even like we like this uh, Amari Niblack. He's six four two twenty. I mean, heck, he could be he could be a rush rush end. You know, I don't I don't know where we're gonna play him. You would, but when I think athlete, I think receiver DB. So boy, I'd love to have a six four two twenty receiver on the field. Not, not that we, I'm not. Trust me. Let me retract that statement. I guess it's hard to complain. <laughs> <laughs> about Alabama's receivers the last several years, and that's not what I'm doing. But from a pure physical size standpoint, we haven't had that size receiver, that presence of a physical receiver since Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah, for e- Everybody sure. else has just been uh, elusive and fast and just awesome in their own rights. But we haven't had a receiver that we could just throw it up to and let him make a play. That's not the type of receivers we've got. We don't need those types of receivers. Our receivers get open, which is better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's nice if you have that guy who can do that too. Yeah. So to wrap up signing day, of course, little brother Auburn across the state, they finished thirteen and thirteenth and two four seven. Which now they were they were clicking along like at thirty one thirty two so they really yeah, made, they made a push, push. yeah they did but I they went for stars and they went to to try to boost up and, and get in the top fifteen try to maybe even crack the top ten they signed two linemen Tom two linemen and when I say linemen I'm not talking about two offensive linemen and two defensive linemen I'm talking about one of each they signed one offensive lineman. And then one defensive lineman. In the whole class? In the whole class. Now, they oh did gosh. get – they got the number one uh, – I think he's a – Juco, DK. Yeah, I don't know if he's offense or defense. But yeah, regardless, right. man, I mean, if you're going to hang your hopes on winning with Juco kids in the SEC, it's just not going to happen. It, it's never been – I mean, you'll have a little bit of success, but there's a reason that kid's in Juco – and normally they're not going to pan out. And if they do pan out, what Bama has seen more than anything is they pan out in year two. So, mm-hmm. you know, with Nick's leaving, who knows what year two is going to look like for Auburn, which it doesn't break my heart. But let's roll into a Bama basketball. You know, we we had since the last podcast, we had beaten Gonzaga, of course. And then we beat Houston on a controversial call, which it was the correct call. It was not a goal 10 by J.D. Davison. But then, so we're rolling along, beat two ranked teams. We travel to Memphis, who's reeling after a few losses in a row, and we lay an egg. So, meh. Ah, when does spring football start? <laughs> I'm not charging. You're charging. No, Bama, Bama, let's put it this way. Bama is 11 games into their season. And if we'd have said before we started that we could be 9-2 and two and ranked in the top 10, we'd have taken it. And that's where we're at. We're ten in one poll, eleven in another. Like uh, like you mentioned, we beat current. This is current rankings because I don't go by that uh, jazz of they were. We thought they were good when we. Oh, played they, they them. played Indiana when we thought they were <laughs> that's good. Right. But currently, Gonzaga's number four, Houston's number thirteen. Uh, we're number three in the RPI. And before we lost to Memphis on the road, we were the number one ranked. RPI team in the country and that was surprising 
I went and looked at it. I was like, holy cow, how are we number one? And I went back and looked at the schedule that we've played so far this year. And we don't have a team. Now, this is very unusual on schedule. Now, this is last week when I looked at it, so I, I didn't include a recent Jacksonville State wins. I don't know how they stack up. But prior to that game, every team on our schedule had a winning record. Every team. That's, That's nice. tough. Yeah, it is. And and not only did they have a winning record, there were you know several of those teams that were ten and two and 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 had you know even though like Iona was one of our losses, but you know they beat us, but they also had beaten a couple other Power Five teams, and uh, so we have played some good teams. We played a lot of tournament teams so far. I. I I I guess my guess is we've we've played at least five or six tournament teams so far, maybe even seven. And to be nine and two in that stretch is, is good. Yes, we didn't look that great against um, uh, Jacksonville State this past week in a win, nor against Memphis. Actually, we played fairly well against Memphis in the second half. We just dug a huge early hole. And uh, Memphis has got a good team. Their their record didn't really reflect it, but that's a uh, that's Little Penny's team, ain't it? Yeah, it is. And so I think he had a lot of players that uh, kind of like Patino liked to do, just get all those big one and done players. I think that's what he has is a lot of one and done players, but they just hadn't gelled yet. But uh, that that could be a dangerous team later on too. So yeah, I didn't watch. I t- flipped it over there, and it was obvious we just were not going to put it together. So I turned it, and I can't. I just can't get emotionally involved in basketball. You know, so uh, we'll get you there one day. Yeah, maybe so. Well, you know, bowl season kicked off, and as you know, I don't know if you know this or not. I I said, as you know, maybe you don't know it. I have YouTube TV. So about a week ago, (laughs) YouTube TV, there was a dispute over the the contract with Disney slash ESPN slash ABC. ESPN owns forty one owns rights to forty one of the forty four bowl games. And it was either Thursday or Friday, ESPN got yanked from YouTube TV. Now, that did not affect my watching. And, and of course, with when ESPN gets yanked, you lose your local ABC affiliate, you lose ESPN, you lose ESPN2, ESPN News, SEC Network, you lose it all. <laughs> and I think I even lost what was on my DVR <laughs> that was recorded from ESPN. I don't know if they've been reinstalled or not, but nice. Yeah, it did not affect my watching of bowl season. I don't watch a lot of bowls, man, and I, you know, I'm a huge college football fan, and that's what we went. Uh, we were in in Florence finishing up some Christmas shopping uh, Saturday, and we went to eat at Riccatoni's. Little shameless plug there. Good Italian food in the heart of downtown Florence, Tom. Okay. And. Uh, so Misty is sitting there, and her back's to the TV, and I'm kind of watching. She said, what are you watching? I said, football. She said, there's a game on. You're not watching it? I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really care till it till the ACC starts playing in bowls. But we've had some bowls played, and so I wrote down three. I don't know if you wrote down any because you're totally unprepared for this podcast. But UAB beat BYU in beautiful Shreveport, Louisiana, and wasn't BYU the de facto Pac-12 champs? Didn't they, like, finish undefeated against all the Pac-12 teams they played? I think that's right. UAB beat them 31-28. to I mean, Bill Clark is a heck of a coach. Like, UAB, they need to keep him because 
I don't know how viable they are. I mean, they do have a stadium now by Top Golf, so you've got that. Yeah, I, I I think I misinterpreted your note when you said bowls of note, and I guess by your UAB comment, that's bowls that have already been played. Of <laughs> yep, <note>. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I foreshadowed a couple. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for that nonsense, Tom. I just. Uh, well, I'm going to slide a couple in here because it's just quick and dirty anyway. But two teams that I think uh, are two games that I think are going to be big, uh, big points of direction on how next season goes is one's Iowa State Clemson. Can Clemson afford to lose this game? You know, they have clawed their way back into the top 25, trying to get relevant again. They've had a huge coaching exodus. Can they afford to go into the postseason with another loss and finish, what would they end up being, 8-4 and this uh, year? Yeah, what are they? I think they finished 9-3. and three. They'd be 9-4. and four. I think that's or nine right. 9-4. Yeah. So, to me, that's a huge game, not so much for Iowa State, but for Clemson. And Iowa State's a small favorite there. Um, and, and the other one that I had put down was, was Arkansas. Arkansas is in a great trajectory, have been ever since Pittman got there, and they're, they're running up against Penn State, who I guess, in my opinion, would be the what? The fourth best team in the Big Ten this year? Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. So... If Arkansas can beat Penn State here, that's a pretty good, hey, we're here to stay, and they put together, what What did they put together? They put together a top 10 recruiting class, didn't they? Or no, they didn't get top 10, did they? Arkansas? About top 15, maybe? Uh, I can tell you uh, pretty quickly. I know they're ahead of Ole Miss. <laughs> they are to be. <laughs> uh, let's see what team rankings. Arkansas, uh, not 20th. They finished 20th. 20th. Yep. So that's that's still a good good class for Pittman. And his direction is, is going in the proper direction. And a win against Penn State would be huge for him. And again, Penn State wins that game. I don't think it means as much. Maybe it does, but I don't think it means as much. But that's a that's a good one for Arkansas. A chip in the purse, so to chip speak. in the purse, because in the SEC, Tom, it just means more. That's right. <laughs> and you know, hopefully, we don't. I don't know what time that game will kick off, but I hope hopefully it's not the big noon kickoff because no. that will be definitely a favor. Penn State, you know, would They're be would have the mental edge. Well, the other two games, the other two bowl games I wrote down, Louisiana beat Marshall 36-21. That put Louisiana at 13-1. Hey, Tom, let's put them in the playoffs. They're 13-1. Man, how did they not get in already? Not exactly. And Utah State 24, Oregon State 13, just a blistering start for the (laughs) Pac-12. I think they're used to it. They have traditionally in the past five years or so been one of the worst conferences. But I don't know that they've had a winning bowl record in several years. Yeah, they're they're not they're not. I don't know. We'll see what Lincoln Riley does at USC. It's not their last hope. I mean, you 
it's their most recent hope to get back relevant, and maybe they can. I just don't know that they will. But I think I think Lincoln Riley is trying to pull a Bobby Bowden, get out there with an elite program or a program that's elite by comparative standards, and just have you know you you don't you don't face that many teams out there. You, you, you yeah. sit there and you're a fourteen plus point favorite every week. Until you get to the playoff and you're an underdog. Yeah, and I mean, look, Lincoln Riley is a good coach. There's no doubt about it. And with the USC brand, if he stays there 10 years, how many times would you expect USC to win the Pac-12 championship? If he stayed 10 years. 10 years. All right, for, let me – two-part two part question. Hang on, hang on. Two-part okay. question. How many years – out of 10 years, how many years does he play for it? And then how many years does he win it? Okay, so I think he plays for it. If he stayed for 10 years, I think he plays for it eight times, and he probably wins it at least five, five to six. So I was going to go nine and seven. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just I'm, I'm curious to whether or not he can get there next year. He might can. But then after that, I would expect that he would basically be at least in the game almost every year. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's break into the Orange Bowl. So we're gonna we're gonna look at the. Uh, this has been kind of a Bama podcast, and not talked a lot about Bama, but and we're gonna break down Michigan and Georgia right now. But we're gonna you know dedicate next Monday's podcast strictly for Alabama, Cincinnati. So I don't know, Tom, how you want to do this. I I played your part. I wrote down one, two. I wrote down seven stats between Georgia and Michigan from NCAA football.com.net slash whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, did you do that as well or what? I, I probably have some of the same stuff. I'm going to let you roll with it because I, I wrote some down, but I was I was writing them down to come to a fine point. So let's just see what you got, and, and, and I'll try not to repeat it. Okay. Well, the first stat I looked at, I looked at uh, some offensive stats, and we know, you know, we know that Michigan can run the football – we know that Georgia can run the football if they're not playing a great defense. You know, Michigan, one of their most impressive drives against Ohio State to salt the game away. I don't know how many plays they ran, but they ran every play. It was just a, a be- thing of beauty, if you like. Like Gene Stallings was mad they didn't run it more on that drive, and they ran every play. So, <laughs> so I want to look at passing offense because I, maybe that's what's going to separate the two teams. And passing offense, Georgia's 55th in the country. Michigan 67th, so neither one of them are very prolific at passing the ball. Passing yards allowed. Now, you know, Georgia's defense was number one until we hung, you know, 350 on them in the final week, which propelled Wisconsin up to the number one overall defense. But passing yards allowed, Georgia is number three in the country. Michigan is 22. So, you know, definitely edge to Georgia there. And then I looked at rushing offense versus rushing defense. And Georgia's not as high as I thought they would be on rushing offense. They're 31st, and Michigan is 10th. And I do think the SEC is tougher. But you know what? The SEC that Georgia played is not tougher because, like we've talked about, the East might be the weakest division outside of Georgia in the P5. So, edge not only edge to Michigan, I think big edge to Michigan because in the Big Ten, the defenses are more designed to stop the run. And so, rushing defense – Definitely edge to Georgia here. They're third in the country. And then Michigan is 21st. Total offense. This one surprised me. 
Georgia 27th, Michigan 18th. Total defense, Georgia, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Georgia is two, but Michigan's 12. Nothing to be ashamed (laughs) of there. Uh, Alabama. Did you – did yeah. you hear my mm-hmm there? I did, yeah. Okay. I just, just make sure you heard it. That's uh that's the way Deb does in church on Sundays. So I wanted to make sure I drove that home. <laughs> <laughs> Deb goes to church? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my church we say grace and we say amen. If you ain't to that, never mind. <laughs> so total defense. Uh, Georgia two, Michigan twelve, and I think what what are we five, six, or seven? We're right there in like in between Eighth. the two. Eighth, okay. So you know we're not bad at all in total D. So the, all those stats, you know, we have some that the edge that lean toward Georgia, some that leads toward Michigan, and there was one I wanted to pick out because I don't know where Georgia's mental state is in this ball coming into this ball game, but more specifically, I don't know where Stetson Bennett, the force mental state, is because. He has thrown five picks against Bama the last two times he played them. And Georgia, they're, they're bullies. They're bullies. They get on top of you, you know, 7 nothing, 10 nothing. They block a punt. They flip field position. They get up 17 nothing, and then you're done. And just a hats off to Bama for getting down 10 nothing and then coming back. You know, we showed them that we weren't going to go quietly into that night. There's a Bama podcast we all love. So I looked at one more stat. Picks thrown, interceptions thrown. Georgia has thrown twelve. Michigan has thrown seven, and I think that's. I think that it might be what flips the game toward Michigan, which will make a prediction. I hope you're prepared to make a prediction. Oh, so, I'm prepared, sir. Oh, I hope you are. And <clears throat> so I'm gonna go ahead and let you chime in because I know you're probably chomping at the bit. And I've got some more stuff written down that we can kind of go back and forth on. Yeah, and so. I'm very glad that you you, you mentioned those because I had a lot of the same things written down uh, as far as stat-wise. I, I, I listed the total offense, total defense, rush D and rush O, and and both the uh, passing defense and passing offense, just like, just like you did. I actually added Bam and Cincinnati in each of those categories just so I could see how they all four stacked up together. But... Here's here's where I think the the game is going to be won or lost, and you were kind of alluding to it a little bit. Uh, and 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 if I'm hearing you right, basically, I think you're saying that hey, rush offense, rush defense, both both teams are are fairly similar and well equipped, and this game may be won by whoever can pass the ball better or whoever can pass the ball the, with the least amount of mistakes. Is is that sort of... Uh, yeah, that's the, that, I think that's where I'm going to culminate yeah. for sure. Okay, so I, I'm a little little different in, in what I think are the keys to the game. And, and, and to me, it's going to be that rush defense of Georgia, which is currently third in the country, versus the rush offense of Michigan, which is currently 10th in the country. Both of those out of the... Four playoff teams, those those are the top teams in their respective categories. Georgia has the best rush defense. Michigan has the best rush offense. So, three versus ten. Well, here's what I looked at. So, Georgia has the best rush defense in the country, but how did they perform 
or what kind of quality rush teams did they actually face? And so I went and looked. Georgia played the 12th ranked, the 19th ranked, the 21st ranked, and the 22nd ranked rushing offenses in the country. So four of the top 22 teams in the country, which were respectively Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, and Kentucky, all in the east except for Arkansas, which uh, which is very surprising that those teams were, were top rush teams, particularly Tennessee and Florida. But in the game against Arkansas, which was the highest rushing offense, Georgia allowed 75, allowed 55 to Tennessee, allowed 51 to Kentucky, and then did allow 161 to Florida in a game that they probably got those yards mostly in the first half and then it got out of control. Mm -hmm. So to play the best rushing, some of the best rushing offenses in the, in the country, Georgia shut them all down effectively. And all those games were blowouts. Uh, So conversely, if we're going to look at Georgia's rushing offense, also looked at Michigan's rushing defense. Uh, or, or who they played with top rushing defenses. Yeah. They're the you know best rushing offense. You know, did they play good rushing defenses? Well, they played the top ranked rush defense in Wisconsin, fifteenth in Iowa, eighteenth in Ohio State, nineteenth in Michigan State, and then that was their only really in the top twenty. So. They run the ball for 112 yards against top-ranked Wisconsin. They run it for 211 against Iowa, 297 against Ohio State, and 146 against Michigan State. Now, I have a couple of asterisks by Ohio State because I don't think Ohio State has one of the best rush defenses in the country, regardless of their 18th-ranked. Status. I think their offense was so good, they were up on teams by so much that people quit running the ball. Um, oh, you could say the same for Georgia. Uh, you could, I guess. I, I guess that's that's correct. I mean, at the end of the year, the stats speak for themselves, I guess. So I'll give them credit for that. But uh, one thing that I see here is that Michigan – did not rush to their average against the best rush defenses they placed, except for Ohio State, of course, well above and beyond. Iowa, they were kind of right on their average, but everybody else held them under their rushing average. Georgia, conversely, when they played the best teams, they shut them down like everybody else they they played. Yeah. Uh, I honestly think that Georgia's – Rushing defense will bottle up Michigan like nothing they've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going I'm to roll this right into my game prediction. I don't think this game's going to be close. I really don't. I think Georgia beats Michigan by likely three touchdowns. I don't think Michigan will be able to move the ball at all. They're not going to get up there and run it for 297 like they did against Ohio State, regardless of whether they were playing. You know, Ohio State at the time was ranked, what, second, third in the country, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, second, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> that's not going to happen against Georgia. And I'm in the minority again here, apparently. 
Vegas has this line opened up at seven and a half. It's currently at eight or nine, and seventy-five percent of the betting public is hammering Michigan. Hammering. This is a overinflated Michigan team that going into that Ohio State game, neither one of us thought that they would win, much less blow them out. Uh, I think Georgia brings them back down to about where we thought they were. I'm I'm thinking this game is something like a 27-3 to game. Michigan may not score here a touchdown. They may not get in the end zone. I, I just don't. I, I don't I don't see how they think they can score against this Georgia defense. I think you have to throw the ball to beat Georgia, just point blank. I think you have to be an effective passing team to do it. And you've already mentioned that both Michigan and Georgia, neither one of them are in the top 50 in passing. And they're not going to magically become a good passing team uh, once the playoffs get here. It's just That's not going to happen. This game's going to give it, get out of control. Just Well, we are not sympathetic on this one at all because I feel like that there's no team hotter right now than Michigan. Their last three games, they've scored 59, 42, and 42. Now, 59 was against Maryland, not very good. 42 against uh, Ohio State, and then 42 against Iowa. Is that correct, Iowa? That's correct. Yeah. So, I think they're, I think they're hot. And they they had the second place Heisman Trophy finalist, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that. So I'll give you ten uh, bucks if you can name his first and last name. Uh, Aiden Hutchison. <laughs> <laughs> you said Hayden. That's incorrect. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I won't. Let's play that one back. I just I really question whether or not Georgia believes in their invincibility like they did going into the Bama game. I don't see how they could. And, yeah, Arkansas was not a bad squad this year. But that was probably the best team they played, them or Kentucky. And when are we going to hang our hats on wins against Arkansas and Kentucky is meaning that you're very good? I just think not. Now, I do agree that this game could go 27-3 to if Georgia gets out early on top. And that's, it's going to be imperative for Michigan to – they need to win the toss and defer and do what Bama did is hold them three and out. Of course, they don't need to get down 10 nothing like Bama did, but if they can hold them and then get a field goal, get some points, and get Bennett to having to run the offense, not just hand the ball off and play field position, to run the offense, we've seen that Bennett's going to throw the ball to you. I know Michigan has Dax Hill as an outstanding defensive back. I don't know if he's safety or, or uh, corner. But he plays in the defensive backfield. And all jokes aside on Hutchison, that kid can play. So, you know, they're, they're going to be able to rush the passer. And I, I look for Michigan to win. I, I really do. I've got Michigan winning 21-17. to 17. I don't think Georgia is, is any better than what they have played in Atlanta. And I, I think Michigan's going to hold them to less points than we did. So, I've got Michigan in upset 21-17. And we'll see you in Indianapolis. That'd be a huge upset. Really Vegas was. Vegas looks at this game as the same way that you and the rest of the country have, that Michigan is hot. They're blowing people out, including Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. And, you know, who can stop them? And then Georgia just gets blown out in the SEC championship game, and lo and behold, they're more than a touchdown favorite. And going up. <laughs> 
Don't well, get don't don't fall into that trap, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see. You know that's why they play the game. It, it is funny though that the same people who give Michigan little chance at an eight and a half point dog are like, oh, Cincinnati. I, I really think they can beat Bama. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I would love to look. And we'll we'll dive into the the Bama versus Cincinnati. Uh, you know, passing offense, total offense, things of that nature. There's one I, I looked a little bit myself today, and there was one that kind of surprised me. But some of them, they're in the 80s. You know, like one, you know, one of the couple of the categories, they're 60, 70, 80, where Bama's pretty much top 25 and everything that that is you know substantial. So I, I see, uh, I definitely see Bama moving on. A little spoiler alert for next week. So uh, that'll wrap us up, I believe, on this podcast, Tom. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you don't prepare, and then you have to prepare mid, mid-podcast. mid It is very taxing. <laughs> I've done it a number of times. It's no fun. <laughs> well, Tom, as always, uh, you know, it's Christmas time, and I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. The next time you hear our voices... Santa will have come and gone. Hopefully he brings you everything that you want. And Tom, remember, if you're going to hate Oregon, excuse me, Auburn, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. (laughs) Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.